unlock your doors and hide your radios. It's Resonant Frequency, the Amateur Radio Podcast. My name is Richard, KB5JBV, and I am your host. Thank you all for downloading us this week. Uh, we are still growing in listenership. I'm uh, really, really impressed because we've got more and more people every week downloading the program, going over to the Frapper Map, all that good stuff. So let's start with uh, saying hello to some of the new folks that have signed in on the Frapper Map this week. Uh, First, we have uh, Kilo Echo 4, RGG, Roger in Dawsonville, Georgia. Uh, Thank you for your kind words on the Frapper Map, Roger, and uh, we really appreciate having you on board. WB6NYC, Robert in Sausalito, California. KD7WTE, Randy in Billings, Montana. You're the first one in Montana. Uh, uh, someday we might actually be uh, neighbors. I've, I'm, that's one of the places I'm looking at retiring. Uh, good to have you on board, Randy. KI4LMR, Randy in Goodlitzville, Tennessee. WN0R, Brian in Fort Dodge, Iowa. We're getting a lot of new states in. This is great. It's like WAS on the Frapper map. Uh, K9FRZ, Jerry in Lake Forest, California. Uh, N6LPV, Frank in San Jose, California. We got Chris listening to us out there in Denver, and Chris says he's learning a lot from listening to the podcast. Well, I really appreciate that, Chris, and uh, you uh, just keep on listening because we'll be uh, uh, bringing it on down as often as possible. We've got Kevin out in San Pedro, California, and Phil. Well, Phil, Phil trying to throw me a curve. He's trying to be the in the place that's most difficult to pronounce this time around, but it's not going to work. Phil is in Ypsilanti, Michigan. Ypsilanti, Michigan. Allen in Oakland, New Jersey. And that brings us down to the unidentified unidentified listener list. Um, We have a new listener in Rocky Mount, North Carolina. Two in Rancho Santa Margarita, California. Uh, three in three new ones in Chicago, Illinois. Three new listeners in Pensacola. That one's almost got it. New Jersey. Two in Scranton, Pennsylvania. One in Louisville, Kentucky. Two new listeners in Fairfield, Connecticut. Two in Fort Myer, Florida. A new one in Irvine, California. Two in Norfolk, Virginia. Three in Lafayette, Louisiana. And that brings us to our uh, new international listeners. We have a new listener in uh, Zagreb, Croatia. Yeah, Zagreb. They uh, used to really have a fantastic animation studio there in Zagreb. I don't know if it's still in operation. Uh, Back in the 70s, I was kind of a fan of one of their characters out there called Maxi Cat. We've also got, uh, and this one's probably going to be the winner this week, uh, Quezon City, Manila, in the Philippines. New listener in the Philippines. Uh, Glad to have you on board. Uh, We've also picked up a new listener in Oslo, Norway. Three new ones in London, England. 
one in Espoo, Finland, and I hope I said that one right. Five new listeners in Stockholm, Sweden. And that pretty much ends that list for uh, this time around. We really picked up quite a few, and uh, I really appreciate all y'all signing on with us. Okay, contributions. We've been asking for contributions, trying to get some donations going on. And we really appreciate those that have donated uh, over the course of the last few weeks since the last podcast. Uh, we'd like to thank Ross Smith down there in uh, Gumalabi, Victoria, Australia, for uh, going ahead and throwing a donation this way. He uh, really and uh, he's really helping out. Ross will uh, will make sure that we uh, get that. Uh, put to some good use towards some of our storage fees and that kind of stuff so like i said before guys it's not difficult go over to paypal and throw us a dollar i mean nobody's going to miss a dollar you can't buy a soda for a dollar anymore and uh, every penny you send in is going to be put right back into this podcast either with uh uh our server fees for having a place to host it purchasing equipment uh, upgrading uh, different aspects of the podcast. I'm trying to uh, uh, build this thing into something that y'all will really, really enjoy and be proud of, and uh, every contribution helps. We've got uh, had a couple of them come in so far, and it's really, really been helping out. Okay, next we're going to get the email. I got a piece of email here. I want to go ahead and read to y'all. Uh, this comes from Jody Carter, which is one of our new listeners, uh, KI4TE, what, no, that's the name of, his call is KI4TVE, KI4TVE. Uh, Mr. Bailey, thanks for the information on the fan dipoles. I am trying to put up a fan dipole for our new school club, the Rambler Radio Club, KI4TEY. Your information is very valuable to us. We are very limited in our, in the funds that we currently have, and any information on getting wire in the air is priceless. And that's signed uh, Jody Carter, KI4TVE, Rambler Radio Club, Lafayette Middle School, 419 Roadrunner Boulevard, Lafayette, uh, Georgia, and Jody... Uh, you bet. If you have any kind of questions or anything, or there's uh, something you or the kids need to hear, shoot me another email, and we'll do our best uh, to get that information for you. For everybody else, just so happens that uh, in the process, I've been wanting to kind of start a a news segment on the podcast here. You know, bring y'all some stuff that doesn't come out, doesn't necessarily come out of the ARRL or uh, that kind of stuff. You know, the the ham radio stuff you don't hear much about. And it just so happens that I have a piece here from the Walker County Messenger in Lafayette, Georgia. And uh, let me run through that for you real quick. Amateur Radio Club forms at Lafayette Middle School by Larry Brooks at the Walker County Messenger. 
An amateur radio club is formed at the Lafayette Middle School. It's one of two such clubs in the state offered by a public school, said teacher Jody Carter, the club's sponsor. Interest in the club at Lafayette Middle School has been overwhelming, he said. Over the summer, we have had several contributors, amateur radio clubs and individuals as well, who donated gifts that have allowed this dream to become a reality, Carter said. We would not have not have had the means to purchase all that is required for such a hobby without their generous donations. Items donated to the club include an antenna, coaxial cable, and provisions for the radio. Carter said the club is now equipped to offer students many links with various fields and personalities that might not be apparent to the casual observer. We're using technology that many ships utilized, ships utilized in the 19th century for communications, but most people don't realize that this same technology is being used aboard the space shuttle even today, Carter said. Today's shuttle astronauts, even the school teacher turned astronaut Barbara Morgan, carry amateur radio licenses. This ability offers the crew aboard the shuttle a means of communications if all primary ones fail. Carter cites other personalities such as John Bon Jovi and Walter Cronkite as being amateur radio operators. It is neat to think that our students could interact with such famous personalities, Carter said. The club's purpose is to expose area students to the world that many coming from a small town are never privileged. Growing up in this area, how many students really consider communications or electronics as a valuable career path, Carter asked. Carter appeals to a wide field of opportunity for those involved in his club. He cites careers in broadcast journalism, air traffic control, and computer networking as just a few of the many possibilities available to his students through this experience with communications. The club meets on Thursdays at the middle school. Enrollment is expected to reach approximately 20 students. We want to accommodate all that are interested and hope to encourage more interest, Carter said. Plans for club projects include interlinking the club with other amateur, amateur groups. As of now, this is one of two amateur radio clubs in the state offered by a public school. Carter hopes to see this change. We hope to be a model to other schools that other schools will follow for establishing such clubs, Carter said. It is if it can be done here with the help of the com of community efforts, it can happen anywhere. Anyone interested in further information regarding the club is encouraged to contact Jody and then it gives his home phone number, which I will not do simply because uh, I try not to even do that on the radio. Okay, a couple good points here. Well, some real good ones. Uh, yeah, the shuttle astronauts, 
Uh, in fact, NASA has, uh, most of the NASA sites have radio clubs. Uh, uh, the uh, Mission Control Center, which used to be down here in Houston, I'm not sure if it still is, or uh, Launch Control. Anyway, the Space Center down in Houston has an amateur radio club, and uh, I've talked to some of the folks down there about that. And, you know, uh, you can even work uh, the amateurs on the International Space Station from time to time in their off hours they get on the radio. And as far as personalities, yep, John Bon Jovi, Walter Cronkite, uh, Joe Walsh, some of y'all might have heard of him. Leanne Womack, she's a Texas gal down here in Jacksonville. She's an amateur radio operator. It's quite an extensive list. Uh, there's a lot of folks that have licenses out there that uh, are personalities. Okay, let's move on to the next news item. This one uh, been out for a while, but I will go ahead and run through it. And this does come from the ARRL website, but I thought it was kind of interesting. According to the August, uh, let's start with DirecTV announces plan to provide service via BPL. According to the August 15th edition of the Wall Street Journal, satellite television provider DirecTV announced a wholesale agreement today to with current group to provide high-speed internet service over electric power lines, otherwise known as broadband over power lines. Broadband over power lines is a new technology that allows cu customers to plug a modem device the size of a cell phone into an electrical outlet and connect the cable from their computer for internet access that is capable of speeds that are faster than some popular internet plans from cable and phone companies. Current is building out broadband networks in Cincinnati and Dallas-Fort Worth. <laughs> and is in talks with a number of utilities around the world about a commercial rollout, the journal said. ARRLC CEO David Sumner, K1ZZ, said, There is no reason to panic over this decision. ARRL's only concern about BPL is the interference potential. In that regard, the approach that Current has taken to date, limiting its use of medium voltage lines to 30 to 50 megahertz and using the home plug standard to avoid the HF ham bands on the low voltage drop has been satisfactory. So apparently current uh, technologies is uh, trying to mitigate some of the interference. If the FCC mandated what current has been doing, we would be quite happy. Sumner continued, we can be glad that DirecTV chose to align itself with a BPL company that has taken the interference problem seriously and has a good track record of avoiding interference in the amateur bands. Well, they know they're going to have to fight us if they don't. ARRL laboratory manager Ed Hare, W1RFI, commented, ARRL and Current have communicated regularly over the past few years. Current has been an early leader in carefully choosing its design to avoid interference to amateur radio. 
They don't operate below 30 megahertz on overhead lines at all. And use home plug technology, which I'm going to have to check into that, which doesn't use the ham bands in customers' premises. To date, ARRL has no amateur radio interference reports involving current or home plug equipment. And I found that one kind of interesting. You know, DirecTV uh, seems to me they ought to be able to send it down from their satellites, but we all know in a heavy rain it goes away. Okay. We got that all squared away. And let me throw in number one, D-Star. Once again, we are still, we are D-Star compatible here in the shack. So if uh, y'all would like to get a hold of us that direction uh, and you're good on the gateway, go ahead and go ahead and uh, dial in the November Echo 5 Romeo repeater port C. Port C, the two meter port. I leave radio on here all the time, and uh, you know, if you give me a yell on D Star, I'm sure enough gonna answer. I tend to turn down the uh, other radios because uh, they get on my nerves from time to time. However, the D Star is always up and running. And last but not least in this segment, let me go ahead and make a local appeal. And I'll try not to bore y'all too long with it. For you operators here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, uh, we are currently uh, building out a Windlink ne network for last-mile communications. We're talking about a VHF uh, packet network here locally in the county of Dallas. I've been put in charge of this project for the county race by the county races officer and we really need uh, local participation here to go ahead and build this out. For those of you outside of the Dallas County area, uh, if you're part of a, a Telpac network, a Winlink Telpac network down there in any, anywhere, down in Houston, Austin, uh, up there in Tennessee, uh, I'd like to hear some of y'all's uh, experiences and stuff because we're trying to put this thing together. I was trying to put it together a year and a half ago, and because it was a citywide situation, it ended up uh, failing due to lack of participation. But I would like to hear from some of you guys about uh, how your system is and how you made it go. So if you want to get in touch with me that way, you can send me an email at kb5jbv dot gmail dot com kb five jbv dot email uh, gmail dot com and let me go back to the frapper map real quick because I didn't give that information to the new guys if y'all want to go stick a pin in a frapper map and I would really appreciate it if you do if you're a new listener and you haven't done it yet go on over to frapper map stick a pin in so we know you're there we can say hello and uh, we can all be one big happy family. You can get to the Frapper Map by going to our blog site, which is kb5jbv at blogspot.com. Kilo Bravo 5, Juliet Bravo Victor at blogspot.com. 
I try to keep the Frapper map up at the top of the page. Sometimes it does slip down. Scroll on down the page. There's a static copy of it down at the very bottom. Okay, I think we've covered everything we need to cover here in the in the opening of, of the uh, podcast. Coming up, we've got the segment formerly known as Buzz, Buzzword, and following that, we're going to talk a little bit about Linux and amateur radio, kind of an overview, uh, because getting too specific is probably going to probably run into a longer show, but we will get back to it. If I can't round these guys up to come talk to us, I'll talk about this stuff myself. So y'all hang tight. We're going to roll through some music. And then we'll fire up the segment formerly known as Buzzword. Uh, we can find some good information to turn loose in here. Uh, this time on the on the segment formerly known as Buzzword, Buzzword we're going to talk about uh, ITU phonetics. ITU phonetics are a standardized form of the phonetic alphabet that we use in amateur radio, and its main purpose is to make things more clear. Now I know everybody wants a set of cutesy phonetics for their call sign. And there's nothing wrong with that on a clear, uh, noise-free frequency, such as talking on your local VHF or UHF repeater. You know, it'd be perfectly fine to call yourself Whiskey 5 Japan uh, or Whiskey Japan 5 Japan or um, Kingfish Victor 5 Easy or that, that kind of stuff. And these are the ones that come to mind, so I'm not picking on anybody. However, on, in the case where the information is important, you may have to spell something or on a, some of the noisy frequencies that uh, you find down on HF during emergency communications and that kind of thing, you're really going to need to be able to make yourself clear. And that's one of the reasons we use a standardized phonetic alphabet. Um, a lot of folks out there, you ask them how to spell their call sign phonetically, they uh, use everything but. You know, there are other phonetic alphabets. The military uses uh, one, which I think they're moving towards ITU phonetic. Uh, police departments use different 
fanatics. But for the most part, as amateur radio operators, we use the standardized ITU set. And I found a short article written by D.W. Thorne, K6SOJ. Uh, and let me run through that real quick for you. The use of ITU phonetics is both tactical and formal message traffic is handling is essential for accurate and efficient communications. I use them on a daily basis just to keep in practice. It is my experience that some hams simply haven't ever re researched the why. Others just haven't taken the time to learn them. From the earliest days of radio telephone communications, several different official phonetic alphabets have been used. During World War II, the British used one version, while the U.S. had another. Other, other forces had yet even different phonetic alphabets. In 1947, the International Civil Aviation Organization, ICAO, adopted rules and procedures that standardized phonetics. The reason? To save lives. There are documented incidents where aircraft and lives have been lost as a result of phone traffic being misunderstood or unreadable as a result of non-standard phonetics and thereby miscommunication between pilots, usually by those whose primary language was not English, and ground control stations. In 1956, the International Tele Telecommunications Union, ITU, adopted the ICAO phonetic alphabet. Today, it is the worldwide standard for military, naval, civil aeronautical, and maritime search and rescue groups, public safety, law enforcement being an exception, and the ARRL. Below are a few reasons that the ITU phonetic alphabet is used by proficient MCOM and NTS radio telephone operators. 1. It is the international standard. Operators for whom English is not their primary language can clearly spell out a word that is difficult to copy. Use of standard ITU phonetics is crucial under conditions of weak or poor propagation or interference. I know personally of an incident where emergency traffic, reporting a traffic accident, originated by an operator with a heavy foreign accent who was visiting the U.S. calling for assistance on 2 meter FM was bungled because the responding ham did not understand ITU phonetics. Two. In handle, handling radiograms or other traffic, a skilled operator that is familiar with ITU phonetics will automatically recognize that a phonetic is not part of the text of the message. If non-standard phonetics are used, it may confuse the receiving operator and delay the traffic. 3. It sounds professional and is efficient. And just because we're uh, amateur radio operators, that doesn't mean we're amateurish, that means we're unpaid. ITU phonetics are the correct, ITU phonetics with the correct pronunciation, he's got a list here. Uh, Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, 
Delta, Echo, Foxtrot, Golf, Hotel, India, Juliet, Kilo, Lima, Mac, November, Oscar, Papa, Quebec, Romeo, Sierra, Tango, Uniform, Victor, Whiskey, X-Ray, Yankee, Zulu. Okay, and on top of the phonetics, and I don't think he really put it down here, when you're sending numbers, you also want to emphasize them. Now, us folks down here in Texas, we emphasize things anyway. We draw it out and twist it around and chew on that word just as long as we can before we spit it out. However, uh, that can be a plus. So back to the article. Anomalies and idiosyncrasies. One, to distinguish Z from C on phone, it is common, a common practice to say Z, an old British phonetic for Z, especially when saying a call sign. Z is shorter, one syllable versus two for, for Zulu. However, in formal traffic, the ITU uh, Zulu is the more correct and proper. And let me also take make a little side note here so I don't forget it in a minute. We I have uh, a guy here local that uh, he's lived in most parts of the world and been a ham radio operator in most parts of the world. And what he tells me, which uh, uh, this fellow may not know, is that Z is the proper pronunciation for Z in a whole bunch of English-speaking countries. Um, that's another one of those cases of us thinking the rest of the world like us. However, uh, yeah, Z, yeah, the proper for Z would be Zulu, and you want to try and get out of the habit of that if you can. Number two, Roger, an early phonetic, is still used for receive the equivalent of sending R in Morse. It does not mean yes or affirmative. It only means I have received your transmission. Okay? And that's the end of this article. And where Roger's concerned, sometimes Roger and out are uh, clearer than uh, okay, I got it. We really don't want to be using cue signals unless we have to because it is actually bad practice to use cue signals on voice. But uh, that will be the subject of another, uh, probably a different segment at some point in the future. Okay, so ha having brought that up, let me uh, run through a few more things. I'm kind of heavy into emergency communications. Uh, I'm uh, digital manager for the NTS here locally. I'm an assistant radio officer and, a, and an assistant EC for the the city I live in um, on top of a lot of other things. And the ITU phonetics, we should all be uh, up and well versed on those because, uh, well, it's like myself. Somebody will come across with uh, you know, I'll be trying to get some information from someone on a bad frequency, you know, where there's a lot of noise or they're a little bit too far out to talk on the repeater efficiently or something. And I try to get them to spell something to me because I'm not understanding because there are a lot of words that sound alike when you've got a lot of noise behind them. 
and they'll start making up their own own complete new and different set of phonetics which turns a simple task into an extremely hard task. Uh, once again, you know, in Aries operation, Racy's operation, depending on what part of the world you're in and, uh, you know, who's running the emergency communications thing, uh, the na even the national traffic system. And if you're not an MCOM guy, okay. You still need to learn those phonetics because sooner or later you may find yourself down on D on uh, HF and trying to work that really hard to get DX station that you really really want. And when they tell you they can't make out your call sign, if you come back with uh, something off the wall, something that would be easy enough for us here to understand on a nice quiet FM frequency, he may write you down in the log wrong. You know, Baker's fine, but Bravo is the standard. And, you know, missing by one letter has cost me more than one QSL card. So, go on out and bone up on your ITU phonetics. Um, it's a handy tool to have. And it's not something you necessarily have to use all the time. But, you know, it's just like having that microphone plugged into that radio. Uh, it's uh, really great to have it at your disposal when you need it. And with that, uh, I think we'll move on to the next segment. So... Tango Hotel, India Sierra, India Sierra, Kilo Bravo 5, Juliet Bravo Well, come out, baby, there's a, there's a party going on. If you come on out, baby, we'll be dancing to the early dawn. Well, come in, baby, it's a a nice and warm inside Well, come in, baby It's a, a nice and warm inside If you come on in, baby Papa's gonna take you for a ride Fix your hair 
system in my radio room uh, at this time. In fact, this podcast is recorded on uh, on an old compact Presario 5000 with a 1.2 gig processor on it that uh, has been converted over and is now running Debian Linux. Uh, my everyday computer is running uh, different distributions called Kubuntu. And I'm quite happy with them myself. So we're going to talk about how they relate, how uh, Linux, the Linux operating system can help you out in your ham shack. First of all, uh, the Linux operating system has been around for, um, I believe, about 15 years. And it started with a guy that uh, wanted to separate himself from uh, some of the other entanglements and decided one day to go out and write his own kernel of all things. Uh, and from that, uh, coupling it with another group which was also looking to promote uh, free and open source software, uh, they got together and with Linus's, Linus, Linus, Linus's kernel and uh, the new projects, other stuff, uh, they created the Linux operating system. Now, Linux is a variant or comes from a Unix base. And for years and years, Unix has been used at universities and large computer, large uh, uh, computer setups and everything else. So, uh, it's heavy in networking more than anything else but over the last few years it has moved towards being much more user friendly in the desktop environment now everybody knows the uh, 800 pound gorilla of desktop operating systems Windows and Windows has been around a few years longer but more and more folks are moving over to the Linux operating system because it's free. Now let me explain that really quick. <clears throat> when discussing something like Linux, free has uh, can have one of two, one or both of two different meanings. Uh, the first one is free, as in free of charge. Uh, the majority of the distributions out there are free for you to download and install on your computer without uh, having to pay a dime. You know, there are some places out there that will burn CDs of it for you. You can pick up some copies of it uh, down at, well, <laughs> here Fry's, but CompUSA or, you know, some of the other uh, larger computer 
equipment outlets. And uh, uh, so they're, they're easy to acquire and put on your system if you need an operating system where Windows has made things kind of difficult in recent years to put their operating system on more than one computer without paying for it. The other side of the free is uh, what's called free and open source. And that means that uh, you can, with every Linux program that you receive, you also get a copy of the source code. Which means you can go into the source code, if you have that ability, go into the source code, make changes, configure it, and make it better for yourself, and use it that way. And people are encouraged to release any improvements that they make back into the open source community. So instead of having a hundred paid developers sitting in an office somewhere, there's thousands of Linux users out there that are taking programs and tweaking them a little bit and then releasing them back out and then somebody else will take it and tweak it a little bit. So development runs fairly quickly and you end up with better stuff. So, you know, what are the advantages? The Linux operating system runs far more stable. You know, you tend not to have things lock up. The team in Redmond, they like to rush things out without them being complete. And then you have guys, just any old body out there that can uh, find a uh, interface design program and a, a copy of C++ can throw out a program. And for the most part, the shareware stuff, which is what the majority of us run anyway, tends to have lots of bugs and hiccups in it. The Linux, you know, these guys that uh, are writing these programs are, you know, they're, they're not playing because the majority of them are writing them so that they can use them. Uh, it's not about they're trying to make a, a quick buck. They're attempting to get something that they can use, and when they find it good and useful, they release it out into the community. So, so much for the boring Linux stuff. Out there, there are uh, lots of lots of distributions available, but for the purposes of amateur radio and uh, the purposes of this particular segment, we're going to concentrate on the Debian and Debian-based operating or Debian-based distributions, so that uh, well, number one, that's what I have running here, and uh, they my knowledge are the only ones that still carry the amateur radio programs in their repositories. Let me talk about repositories for a minute. When on the Windows operating system, if you want a piece of amateur radio software, you have to either purchase it from one of the amateur radio stores uh, or one of the amateur radio sites or you have to go out and hunt down your shareware versions. You know, uh, good examples: Ham Radio Deluxe. Uh, I think that's still free of charge, but you have to go out and download it and everything else. Uh, 
Well, on the where Linux is concerned, most distributions keep what are called repositories, and that means there's a a, a server on their site which holds all the programs that are currently being are currently can be used by that operating system. If there's something that's not there that you want, you can go out and find it and bring it in. But the upside of repositories is that if you have a program for when you have the program and all of them do have the program to go search that repository and find what you need when you click it and uh, tell it to install it it installs the entire program and all you have to do is wait for it to do its thing another benefit is for those of us who hate sitting through reboot cycles 99% of the time you don't even have to reboot the computer you just fire the program up okay the two uh, operating systems I want to focus on is uh, Debian and Kubuntu now let me start with Debian Debian's one of the ones that's been around a long time when you hear of Linux you hear about Red Hat and uh, Slackware well Slackware's probably been around just about the longest Red Hat has always been really popular and To this day, Red Hat is still extremely popular, even though now their uh, free and open source version is called Fedora, which I guess makes sense. Debian's been around a long time too, and Debian has a track record for being one of the one of the better, more stable uh, Linux operating systems available. It's also uh, my understanding and I don't know this for sure that the founder of the Debian distribution or the Debian Cop Linux was an amateur radio operator so Debian has always been really friendly to amateur radio operators um, they have an extremely large repository uh, it's really hard to think of any kind of program you would need that would not be in there and they do have an amateur radio subcategory which means that instead of having to go out and find the program bring it back f make sure you've got all the programs you need to run it you know the sub programs uh, in Windows speak DLLs which are called libraries in Linux um, you can click you can uh, pick these programs out of a list and hit apply and it downloads them it checks checks to make sure all the bits and pieces are there and installs them without any problems I run Debian on the machine that I'm doing the podcast on because it's easy to get off in there and monkey with some of the stuff and and you know make changes when you need it and that kind of stuff plus it uh, runs real stable I don't have any problems with crashes or anything else. On the other machine, I run a distribution called Kubuntu. Kubuntu is a distribution which is uh, a sub-distribution of Ubuntu. 
Ubuntu is the fastest growing Linux distribution on the internet. Uh, everybody is really uh, happy with Ubuntu. And that's because Ubuntu is, you can tell anybody who runs Windows at this time can download a copy of Ubuntu and once you go through some minor configuration it works walks you through it you can have it on your machine and the version I use Kubuntu with a K on the front uses a desktop which looks very much like Windows standard Ubuntu uses uh, a desktop called GNOME which looks quite a bit like the uh, Macintosh or uh, Apple OS's and I know this is a lot of dry stuff I'll get to the amateur radio stuff in just a minute <clears throat> okay uh, Kubuntu Ubuntu is Debian based so anything that will run on Debian will run on Kubuntu um, there are a lot of distributions out there that are Debian based I would suggest if you're going to use um, Linux for amateur radio that you would use a Debian based uh, copy or distribution and there's plenty of them out there Ubuntu, Nopix, you know as you get to looking at them the majority of the distributions out there are either Debian based, uh, Red Hat or uh, yeah Red Hat based, uh, Slackware based okay I started out on one called SUSE which is now OpenSUSE and it's distributed by Novell. And at that time, they had amateur radio programs in their in their uh, repositories, but uh, they've kind of decided to go another direction. Don't have them anymore. Okay, I've spent almost 15 minutes boring y'all, so let's get on to it. Now, once you've downloaded your distribution, like I said, uh, I'm talking about Debian and Ubuntu because I'm familiar with them. Ubuntu has the benefit of you're able to download a copy of the distribution and run it from the CD so that you can kind of see if you're going to be able to you if it's going to work work for you if it's something you want to go ahead and install. Once you uh, have done that and played with it a little bit you go ahead and install it. Uh, dual boot computers happen all the time and it's easier to dual boot if you've already got an existing copy of XP or Windows 2000 or Windows 98 uh, setting up the dual boot system something that'll happen when you install the Debian and at that point when you start your computer up it'll give you a choice which one you want to run so you get in there and you get to looking around you can actually, and I hope I didn't just kill myself, you can actually go into the repositories using a program in uh, Ubuntu and Debian called Synaptic. And what will happen at that point is you will get a, a list come up and you go look and there's one that will probably be marked amateur radio. Well, what kind of programs are in there? Well, the great thing in the Debian archives is that there's a whole bunch of different types of programs in there. 
so you can kind of pick and choose what you want there's probably a half a dozen PSK programs which I really like running PSK on uh, Linux simply because the code that's used to get the information off the sound card appears to make my sound card more sensitive I can hear stations uh, running under Linux that I never would have been able to hear running a, under a program in Windows. A lot weaker signals and a lot better separation between them. Uh, other things you can do, there are probably a handful of DX cluster programs. You know, if you like to sit and watch the DX cluster scroll by and uh, wait for that special piece of DX to come by, uh, there are several programs for doing that. There's also several, um, quite a few logging programs and various programs for other uh, digital communications. There's ma maximum usable frequency uh, calculators, Morse code programs, uh, there are a handful of uh, packet programs, you know, uh, two or three satellite programs. In fact, uh, PREDICT is a satellite program that uh, is pretty pretty cool. There's a slow, a slow scan television program called S QSS TV and there's even a program to update your logbook of the world at the ARRL. Uh, meteor scatter programs I'm kinda looking down the list right now so uh, there are programs for calculating ag, uh, Yagi antennas. There's a copy of, there's one called X-Neck View, which is for uh, calculating game patterns on an antenna. One called Yagi Uta, which is for analyzing performance of Yagi antenna. Like I said, several PSK programs. Uh, GMFSK is the one that I use, and it does about eight different modes. It does PSK, QPSK, uh, RIDI, MFSK16, a whole handful of stuff. Uh, there's even drivers for Baycom modems. You packet guys would know what I'm talking about. Even APRS programs. So there's quite a few things in there, and that, there's a lot of rig control stuff popping up. There's uh, stuff popping up regularly for rig control. You know, that's the big benefit of something like Ham Radio Deluxe is that you can just click on a place on the screen and uh, your radio will go to that frequency. Well, there are rig control programs, so there's an awful lot of stuff that you can do with a Linux computer where ham radio is concerned and you don't have to dedicate your everyday computer to make it happen that's one of the other benefits of using the Linux operating system it takes far less horsepower to run a computer that is running Linux than it does to run one that's running Windows I myself have uh, an Acer laptop that I bought recently and I bought it a week too late 
so it's got that doggone Vista on it. And the fact of the matter is, I'm sure that Vista has its good sides. I haven't found them yet. But the thing is, it runs, doesn't run any faster than any computer that I've ever had in the past. It has the Vista on it, and it's got a 2-gig processor on it. So I would think that it would just be leaving all these other machines in the radio room in the dirt. You know, currently, uh, my two Linux machines are a 1.7 gig and a 1.2 gig machine. And my third full-size machine is a Windows machine. But it has to be because I'm running WinLink through it, and there is no Linux equivalent for WinLink. And I'm too cheap to go buy the virtual, virtual, des the virtual machine pro software that it would take to run it on Linux. But back to the laptop. At 2 gigahertz, it seems to me it ought to be running circles around all these computers, but it's slower than the Linux machines. Uh, older machines will run. There are still uh, Pentium 90s out there that are running on Linux, and they're doing a bang-up job. So it's cheap. It'll run, it'll run older hardware, so you don't have to run out and get a giant amount of memory and a super-fast processor. And that way, you can not even use your regular everyday machine. You have a second cheap machine that you picked up at a garage sale or something. Plug it up and let it go. I have absolutely no problems running PSK31 or RIDI on my Linux boxes. My log program that I use, uh, I transferred the uh, log from the old program that I used on Windows. I exported it as an ADIF file and imported it in to the logbook on the Linux machine. I've worked Echolink, slow scan television. There are things that I haven't even attempted yet. And for those of y'all that think it out there that are shaking your head, thinking it's archaic and, uh, you know, there's no reason to even consider it, I'll tell you right now, one of the most advanced things that we're doing in amateur radio at this time is D-Star. Uh, ICOM's D-Star system. And for those of y'all who aren't familiar with D-Star, D-Star... You create a data packet in your radio, send it out over the air as a data packet. Uh, it can either be repeated through your local repeater or sent through a gateway to a distant repeater. And all of this is under your control. And it, some of it is computer controlled. Well, it just so happens that this newest, most advanced thing that we're doing in amateur radio right now runs on the Linux operating system. The uh, one that I've seen in opera, uh, have seen in operation, uh, I was shown by the guy that in charge of doing the programming on the repeater here just next door in Mesquite, Texas, told me it's running on Red Hat 4. The gateway is running on Red Hat 4. And once again, 
it might be easy to say that's an isolated incident, but uh, there are schools and colleges and everything else out there that are rapidly converting over to Linux, businesses that are converting over. So it's a viable operating system. <clears throat> and as far as amateur radio is concerned, it's a big benefit to us because we don't have to go out and buy a bunch of expensive hardware and drop a lot of money on an expensive operating system to do what the majority of us do. There are some specialized tasks where you have to have windows. I will admit that because once again I'm running a Telpac gateway over here which is part of the WinLink 2000 system and I have to have windows to run it because it's written in uh, what they say it's written in Visual Basic and it uses the .NET uh, framework which is something there's no equivalent for in Linux at this time so I would say all of you if you got an old desktop old laptop sitting around uh, you thinking you might cannibalize it for parts or, or just throw it on the trash heap Throw that puppy up on a table, go download your distribution, <clears throat> or at least a live CD of a distribution. I mean, that's one CD image. It's like 640 megs. And pop that bad boy in there and see if you can revive that machine. You know, it's always nice to have a spare machine around because you can run... Uh, your amateur radio stuff on one machine keep it separate from all the other stuff and we haven't even gotten into the other aspects you know uh, word processors that are equivalent to Microsoft Office uh, advanced networking capabilities that you really don't get with Windows and just so much more in fact let me go ahead and say this before we come to the end of the segment uh, there's a fella out there named Chess Griffin, and he runs a podcast called Linux Reality. Linux Reality. And Chess is a really good guy. And his podcast started out, first episode, This is Linux. Okay, it's like, this is what it is. He's currently in episode 75, and it has progre progressed. A little bit at a time uh, up through uh, I think at this point he's talking about BSDs which are another uh, their BSDs are a cousin of Linux sort of because they both come from Unix and uh, he's covered things from uh, how to get a system up and running three or four different distributions he's talked about uh, how to do some basic stuff, uh, install file servers, music servers, and that kind of stuff, which is sounds complicated, but it's not. Y'all go over and uh, y'all go over and give Chess a listen. Uh, you can get him at iTunes. You can get him at most of the podcast sites. And if you're interested in Linux and you don't want to put some on go listen to some of his back episodes because you'll find out that it's pretty useful as far as amateur radio is concerned 
for logging, watching decks, clusters, APRS, um, logging, uh, logbook of the world, trusted QSL, uh, what is that, trusted QSL. Uh, that kind of stuff you can do with a Linux operating system. And with a distribution like Ubuntu or Kubuntu, uh, it makes it really easy to get started. Because like I said, it it is so, uh, the uh, front end on it, the GUI, the uh, interface that you actually use is so, looks uh, so much like a version of Windows that it's real easy to get started. And in fact, let me say one more thing before we end this segment. <coughs> as far as the internet's concerned, surfing the internet, there's probably a couple of dozen web browsers and just probably just about that many uh, email programs that run under Linux and uh, even some that some of y'all are used to using like uh, Firefox. I use Firefox and it's cross-platform so when I moved from Windows to Linux I could use the same web browser and I was familiar with it same way with Thunderbird in the case of Debian uh, there are some special versions of those that uh, Debian has gone in and tweaked to work better with the Debian uh, operating system and they're called Ice Monkey and Ice or Ice Weasel and Ice Dove. And let me tell you, it, it's really been a beneficial for me. Okay, I've dragged on. Y'all probably really didn't want to hear this anyway, but I needed something other than antennas and balloons this week because, or this time around, because I'm sure y'all were possibly getting tired of that. And. If y'all have any questions, y'all go ahead and drop me an email. And once again, y'all, y'all go give Chess a listen because he's probably the most common sense uh, Linux guy out there that has a podcast. And like I said, he starts from the beginning in the first episode and gradually progresses through it so that it's really easy to understand. And I would suggest that everybody at least give Linux a try. You know, fire it up, run some PSK. That right there will uh, show you that it's really a good tool for us. Okay, I've run my head long enough. So with that, I think we're going to move on to the next segment. Another day I might have 
Okay, so that uh, pretty much wraps up another episode of Resonant Frequency, the amateur radio podcast. Uh, I hope at the very least this information has been useful for y'all this week. And uh, yeah, I keep gravitating towards the blues. I I kind of kind of like blues myself you know uh, when you live in a state that's produced people like lightning hopkins and uh, t-bone walker and of course not not to be forgotten uh, stevie ray bond a lot of times you tend to tend to lead in that direction okay uh once again y'all keep uh, tuning us in we're available at itunes tell all your friends about us um, y'all go on over to the Frapper map, those of y'all who haven't stuck a pin in yet, and uh, stick a pin on in there, so we'll uh, know where y'all are. Y'all please put in a call sign or something, it makes it easier to track them, because let me tell you, there's an awful lot of pins in that map now. Uh, you can get to the Frapper map by way of the blog page, which is kb5jbv.blogspot. Dot com and uh, the Frapper map is I try to keep it up at the top of the page but if you can't find it up at the top just scroll on down to the bottom because I've got it static down there where uh, even if you can't find it uh, it'll be down there at the bottom y'all keep sending them donations in man uh, they're really helping out uh, every penny that gets donated to Resonant Frequency goes right back into the production of this program. And uh, we've had a couple folks donate, and uh, I assure you that it's gone to uh, covering some of our expenses so far. If you would like to donate even a dollar to Resonant Frequency, uh, go on over to the blog page, and there's a link up there for PayPal. Um, if you don't have a PayPal account, don't worry about it because you can use credit card or whatever your particular mode of payment uh, is. At some point, I'll get a mailing address set up where uh, y'all can go ahead and uh, send uh, by other means if you would like. But like I said, you can't buy a soda for a dollar, so ease on over there, and it helps us... Uh, be in a position where we don't have to go hunting a spot hunting sponsors because i'm I, I would hate to put any commercials on here this is a labor of love for me and uh, making it worse and making it bad by inserting commercials is just really not what i want to do you know, I get tired of all the uh, podcasts I listen to. They stop right dead square in the middle, and I get a commercial for GoToMeeting.com. Okay, so that's uh, donations, blog page. Once again, go over to blog page and uh, check it out. You can download programs from there. You can leave comments on particular episodes, just about whatever you'd like to do over there. And that, once again, is KB5JBV at blogspot, blogspot, B-L-O-G-S-P-O-T dot com. Of course, I haven't done my regular, uh, this is my call sign because everybody messes it up. It's Kilo Bravo 5, Juliet Bravo Victor. 
www.blogspot.com. And if you'd like to send me an email with show suggestions, uh, questions, we will do our best to answer any questions you newer guys have. Um, suggestions, questions, comments. Uh, if you'd like to send audio questions, record them up, email them to me. Uh, if you'd like to do one of the segments, uh, do that too. Uh, record them up in MP3, AUG, or uh, I'll even take WMAs as long as they're not too huge. Uh, though Windows users, AUG is the uh, is a format under Linux, which actually smaller files and better quality. And you can send all that stuff to kb5jbv at gmail.com and I messed it up in the earlier segment. That's kb5jbv at gmail.com So that looks like everything I've got on my list. I'd like to thank uh, Midlife Crisis over uh, for our intro music. Uh, the stuff you heard during the podcast is uh, a group from Texas called JAG, J-A-G. Uh, Chris Jurgensen, we got him in here again. He he was pulling up the middle, and uh, that one you just heard a while ago come from a lady out in California. Her name is Barbara Leone. And if I can find it on the list here, we'll, uh, doggone it. I didn't write it down. Well, y'all go back to the last episode and uh, we'll have the name of the guy that <laughs> does our closing. Yeah, I don't see him anywhere here. I'll have that information in the show notes, what there is of them. Oh, last but not least, uh, if you're interested in helping with the production of Resonant Frequency, the amateur radio podcast, you do not have to get on air, record anything or anything else. We have a lot of other st stuff that can be done and can be done for your, from a remote location that would really help us out uh, researching stuff and that, that kind of thing. Uh, we are looking for a co-host though, so if you'd like to be a co-host, uh, get in touch with me and we'll, we'll talk about it. Okay. I think that's pretty much it. And in fact, y'all remember the blog, uh, blog page, which is kb5jbv.blogspot.com, uh, to get in touch with me by email. Send those to kb5jbv at gmail.com. Or, I just remembered, my WinLink address is now active. And you can send me one there at kb5jbv dot at winlink.org. kb5jbv at winlink.org. Okay, that's it for this time. I think we've pretty much uh, talked as long as we can. You know, I remember one uh, one old gal, president of one of the clubs here local, and she said the thing that she found about uh, the men of amateur radio 
was that we liked to hear the sound of our own voice, and that's why we just yacked it up all the time. Well, <laughs> women like that, a lot of times, they, they ain't listening to themselves. I don't mean to upset any YLs out there, I'm just poking a little fun. Yeah, uh, that's part of it. We like to hear the sound of our voice, uh, especially if it's coming through a radio that's properly tuned and calibrated. Now, let's go ahead and say, uh, y'all take care of yourselves and your families out there, and uh, y'all be safe, and we'll see y'all next time. 73. Share the precious time.